for this episode, let's start with a song. Now sing along with me to the tune of our favorite TV show, Cops. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? I apologize to everybody out there. We might never do that again, but the question still stands. What are you going to do if a hospital or a collection agency ever comes after you for an outrageous sum of money presented on a bill or sometimes not even presented at all? They just call you to collect. These horror stories are starting to pop up all over the place, and this is no exception. A person that worked hard her whole life gets hit with a third cancer diagnosis. I'm going to say that again, a third cancer diagnosis gets abandoned by her health coverage. Now, how does this happen? And what should you do to make sure you never experience the same? Our guest, Carrie Levin, shares her story on Healthcare Americana. From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's podcast is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks, a company on a mission to turn healthcare delivery on its head. It works to support all physicians who are interested in direct care, cutting out insurance companies from their practices, and to spread the word of this model to everyone, including employers. For more information on direct care, visit freedomhealthworks.com and by the great people at the Free Market Medical Association. They're connecting true buyers and sellers of healthcare, educating and motivating them to work together based upon mutually beneficial relationship, which is also built on three pillars, price, value, and equality. For more information, visit fmma.org. I'm Christopher Habig, and you're listening to Healthcare Americana. For this episode, I'm joined by Carrie Levin, an accomplished restaurateur, global citizen, two-time cancer survivor, and a current cancer patient. Carrie, thanks for joining us on Healthcare Americana. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, you have a truly amazing, albeit heartbreaking story. Uh, You're born in New York City. You live most of your early years in Europe, came back to the U.S., you started a successful restaurant in Manhattan. Now, in the midst of running a small business, being in, as a lot of people know, a highly competitive industry, you had a lot of run-ins with some serious health issues from a patient standpoint. Tell us what happened. All right. So I'll quickly go through the two others. I do want to say at the beginning, and I'll say again at the end, every single doctor I had, surgeon, were amazing. And I'm I'm alive today because of them. And it could only be here that this, this would have happened. So I'm in the States. I opened my first restaurant in 1981. I get cancer for the first time. 1985, I have a melanoma. I'm able to work and we continue on. No children, nothing. 2005, I have breast cancer. We're now on my husband's union health insurance, and there's a lot of things that go on with my cancer. It was all taken care of, but lost a fortune in the restaurant because the caregiver, the person that helps take care of you also has to take care of everything else. And so he took care of the children and he took care of the business. Some of those Uh, indirect costs to getting sick, a lot of people don't really talk about, but you know, so here you are, you're running a restaurant, you're treating your cancer, you're caring for your employees, even though a lot of what those health plans cost are a lot of times very, very prohibitive. And again, in such a competitive environment as restaurants, I mean, your profit margins are razor thin. So big, expensive health plans from you know, some of the BUCAs, uh, Blue, the uh, uh, Blue Cross, uh, for instance, very, very expensive, but you did what you thought was right. and 
had a plan and had coverage for your employees all while being treated for cancer at this point in your life. Yes, absolutely. And when you're an employer, we were a small business. We had to get an agent in because everyone had special needs. So I work seven days a week um, to pay it back, but it's, it's our responsibility. And I understood what was going on. In this situation now, I'm 61 years old, so I'm, I can't get Medicare yet. I was covered by the people that bought my restaurant for five years. And now I go into this new system as an independent, there's no choices, as a person that has had cancer. They don't ever ask you what health problems you have. They have your charts. So they look through the charts and tell you that they might not cover certain things like chemo or mammogram or an MRI. Right. So my first time that I have a problem is this September. I have terrible cramps. I just think they're cramps. I don't go to the doctor. The week later, I get the same horrible cramps that feel like I was going to give birth. And my husband was home, said, we got to go to the doctor. So we go to our family doctor and I'm in quite a bit of pain. They say, I'm pretty sure this is um, appendicitis. They touch me in certain spots, appendicitis. Okay. The nurse says, we're going to get you a CAT scan and fast. So she calls a hospital that's um, nearest to the doctor's office. She is put on hold forever. She hangs up, calls again, and it rings and it rings and it rings. No one picks up. She calls again. It rings and it rings, and they hang up on her. Wow. So she said, okay, this is no good. We got to get you somewhere that you can get the CAT scan. Gives me just two other options. We go to one place that I have dropped people off at so I know where it is. We walk in and we say, my doctor thinks I have appendicitis and I have to get a CAT scan right away. Now, now was this the emergency room? To honestly tell you, even so I've been to a lot of emergency rooms with staff and with children, I never knew the difference in these prices and what you asked for. Uh, the neighbor that was just here, whose sister is a nurse, just told me that I should have asked for the radiology department. How would, how would a typical patient walk in there under pain, under duress, under incredible amount of stress and, and, and anxiety? know to ask that type of a question. Exactly. And when you look at bills in the future, when you ask questions about getting medication, how would a normal person know how to deal with any of this? So you have terrible pain. Your initial doctor says, hey, I think it's appendicitis. Let's get you a CAT scan. First facility they try wouldn't give you the time of day. So they send you to the ER and now you walk into the ER thinking- No, no, no. But that's what's so important here, which I'm learning. No one sent me to the ER. It's only place that I knew to walk in when you walk into a hospital without an appointment, right? Yeah, very good distinction out there. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people have that same situation. Yeah, you wouldn't know, especially since your doctor said, called the other hospital and said, um, we're trying to get her a CAT scan and it's an emergency. So we walk in and just say, Dr. Godfrey told us that I had to get a CAT scan that it might be appendicitis. Okay, I wait there for a while. I'm still in pain. 
They take my insurance card. They charge me $300, and that is called guarantor payments. Now we go into what looks like a normal emergency room. And to me, all I'm thinking about, okay, this is going to be the fastest way of getting a CAT scan. Not that the price is going to be inflated by 1,000 times. So they take me in. There's a nurse that looks at me. And the only thing they do is take my blood pressure and they want a urine sample. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, The nurse says, yeah, I think you have appendicitis too, but I don't know. Then this, this doctor comes in and he says, hi, what's going on? Why are you here? I said, my doctor said to come in. We need a CAT scan because she thinks I have appendicitis. He touches me on the right side and said, yeah, I think you do too. We'll get you in to have a CAT scan. And I said, so what, what do we do here? And they said, well, if it's appendicitis, we don't operate past 3 p.m. And it was now past 3 p.m. We got there at about 3 o'clock wow. and left at 9.30 for one CAT scan. Then they say, well, we're, we'll give you a CAT scan, get in the gown, blah, blah, blah. He leaves. Then everybody leaves. And my husband leaves because it's going to take, it could take a long time. So there's nobody around. I have to go, you, you, to have somebody tell me where a bathroom is. Two nurses won't even talk to me. Then, and remember now I'm really thirsty. I haven't had anything to drink in 10 hours because I might be having an operation. No one cares about that. So finally... A guy comes to get me and wheels me in for a CAT scan of my abdominal that maybe took 10 minutes, including the wheeling to me to to get to the room. I come back and it's now about 6.30. Finally, at nine o'clock, I again go out there and say, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, anybody here? Trying to track people down. Again, when you hear the prices... If you were in a restaurant or a hotel and you had this happen to you, I think you could complain. Right. And now at 9.20, this young man comes in and says, I have good news for you. And I'm alone. I'm alone. And he says, you don't have appendicitis. I said, oh. He said, you most probably have cancer and a stricture because your lower intestine is blocked. And I said, so you're telling me a person that has had two different cancers, that this is good news? And I I don't want to pause you right there, Carrie. I I mean, my jaw is on the floor right now. So this this doctor walks in, says, I have good news for you. You It's not appendicitis. appendicitis. You probably have cancer. And a stricture, which means that I could blow up. In my personal opinion, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would agree, but I'm not sure that's good news. <laughs> my husband is in the background laughing, who's had to go through three cancers now, which are totally different. The one thing is we don't have to deal with the restaurant or children this time, but now we just have to deal with the entire government, health insurance, and hospitals. And still to remember, every single hospital I went to and am going to have amazing nurses and amazing doctors 
they don't know. And one of my next operations, when I was given a piece of paper five minutes before walking in for a port, which is what you use when you have six months of chemo, and they tell me, because I was having trouble with the insurance companies, they said, well, do the operation, but you have to pay $16,000 to put a port in, which is a half an hour operation. Yeah, so My there's a lot of sticker shock going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get the news, again, the quote unquote good news that you good have news. cancer from this uh, emergency room department. What do you do after that? So we leave, we go home, we discuss amongst ourselves, and we call our GP, who is like an old fashioned doctor. Mm-hmm. And he hears a story, he is infuriated. And because also remember, if I did have appendicitis and I stayed at that place for eight or 10 hours, I would have had it, what is ever that's called when your appendix explodes. And that would have been all their fault, all on them. Anyway, he says, I have your pictures in front of me. We need to take care of this right away. Um, Let me see. We might not be able to do anything until Monday because now it is Thursday. Um, I, I then knew from past experience that this was serious because he gets back to me right away. He has an appointment for me at a center for uh, colon testing. They get me right in there on the Friday. The Monday I go back in colonoscopy. Yes, it's definitely cancer. Um, We'll get a pathology report for you that ends up being the only thing that this company that I had as a insurance company paid for, which was $360 for pathology report. And at one of your places, it's $28. And that, that's nothing. Right, right. So I want to highlight that you get this news about most likely cancer. You report it back to your, your primary care physician. And sounds like he does the right thing of okay, I'm going to take charge of this. I'm going to be your quarterback here. I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to be your patient advocate, your healthcare navigator in some sense. So I think there's a silver lining in that story right there. So there is a positive coming out of that, that he was able to do that because a lot of primary care physicians aren't able to practice within that capacity, but still trouble on the horizon. So you go get um, these next operations, making sure that we know exactly what it is Again, running into some pricing difficulties here uh, for some different insurance plans or insurance um, type of coverage that you were using. So at this point, had you seen a bill from the hospital yet? Oh, you don't see anything. And to this day, I have the one that I'm going to tell you about. That is the most complete, but it only has seven things on the bill from my major operation for the colorectomy. Um, where they had to take out a part of my lower colon and take out a quite large, a four centimeter tumor that ended up being cancerous and 29 lymph nodes. And the doctor there, who's pretty much the head of this, she's, she's just amazing. And all her students were amazing. So everybody takes care of me for the seven days, go home, no bill, no nothing. But I handed in my insurance card. Then I go to see people for the oncology and they are amazing too. And things got so bad that they were even going to give me a month of free chemo. I hit the jackpot, right? (laughs) So at that point, 
I started chemo on the the following week. So yeah. once you found out what it was, you're moving pretty quickly to get treatment to get ahead of this thing. And the fastest and you could do. Within right. 48 hours, I was in the hospital and with three weeks had found my, my oncologist. And within the five weeks, I started chemotherapy. So it, it sounds like the quality of physician and nurse is not an issue. The ability to get prompt treatment to give you the best chance uh, to fight these diseases, not an issue. A lot of the issue came with the unknown, mostly around the finances of what your procedures and what your treatments are going to do to your personal finances. As I told you the other day, when I, if I do a catering party, they ask me every single question, even how much a fork is going to cost to rent. When I have asked every hospital now and every single hospital for have come after me. This one did give me a bill, but we only just got it. And the day I was there was the 26th of uh, September. So I didn't get a bill until last week. And another hospital just called me and said, hi, my name is so-and-so and your insurance is not going to pay for this you owe us $67,000. How would you like to pay for it? Wow. Yeah. Very casual uh, phone call there. And to this day, when you call her, because you can't send emails, they don't want any proof of anything. Mm -hmm. When I called her on her machine, it says, this is so-and-so, please leave your name, number, date of birth, and your ID, patient ID. Well, I didn't even get a bill. Wow. Well, we're going to pause right there and take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, the Free Market Medical Association. We'll be back. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Healthcare Americana. We're joined today by Carrie Levin, two-time cancer survivor and a current cancer patient. So here you are again. Um, you had treatment. You got the first, uh, the first wave of treatment uh, to treat the new cancer. Still don't have any idea of what kind of cost that is. Were you the type of patient who were asking those type of questions on what their prices were being charged? Yes, Chris. I was a small merchant my whole life. Mm -hmm. This is about life and death. What were those answers when you asked somebody, what is this going to cost me? I don't know. So I'll give you an example. And this is why I love your organization so much. My doctor who came out of the operating room because I couldn't go in because I, I was handed the piece of paper that it was going to be $16,000. He told me, he said, this is awful. He said, I could do it in my office for one fifth. And I'm thinking about doing it. That's one example. Mm -hmm. Then after listening to all your podcasts, I started doing research. So now this visit that I was supposed to get a CAT scan, not be put into a bed in a nightgown that opens in the back where everyone can see me and I can't even find a doctor to talk to to ask go to the bathroom. Right. So we arrive, we tell them what we need. The hospital bill is 
for the ER physician, remember who told me I got good news? $869. He spoke to me maybe in total over the 10 hours, four minutes, because he also gave my husband the video that shows my stomach for the okay. pharmacy for... They said, do you, do you want anything for painkillers? Because I, now I hear I have cancer and I have a pain. I don't know what to do. I said, sure. They gave me two oxycodines and it cost $149.10. <laughs> what, what was, I got to ask you, because you mentioned that a hospital called and said, hey, you owe $67,000. How would you like to pay? How much money do hospitals think that they are owed from you at this point in time? because there's still a few people that haven't gotten in touch with us. Mm -hmm. And one is a x-ray. They sent us that I had a chest x-ray for $40 and I'd never ha I haven't had chest x-ray in 15 years. And I had an MRI at their place, which I know from the insurance company is going to be around $7,000. And my husband said they just called. So that's the last bill. I would say it's going to be around 110 because the insurance covered whatever amount I paid them for a year. Very conveniently paid that amount. Wow. So taking that total amount, taking that, that big figure, yeah. you mentioned that you're getting calls a lot. Are these collection calls coming from the hospital? I mean, are they, are they friendly calls? Are they uh, more adversarial calls? Chris, they're always friendly at the beginning, right? And at the beginning, they have these very cheerful humans that care about you, et cetera. But when you tell them, that's the other thing. Every single hospital, including the one that just called because we haven't gotten a real bill from them, I asked for not only a bill, but an itemized bill. And this one, 10 hours for a CAT scan, totaled $7,800 and $7.10. And a CAT scan on your prices is um, between $415 and $650. This CAT scan costs $3,621. And they will not let me have a breakdown of what I'm paying for. No, you need to speak to someone else. And I left a message with someone else. And once you get to those, or they get you, they say, well, this is very important. So I'm giving you up to my supervisor. For the, the state that I'm living in, I got a letter in my file. So when I call to speak to someone to see if I'm totally uninsured, they said, wait a minute, there's a letter in your file. We're no longer allowed to speak to you. Let me read it. And then she read it to me and said, because I had spoken to so many people, it had gone up to a supervisor and a supervisor couldn't handle my problem. So it's a super supervisor. And I swear to God, that's what they said. And only this person can call you back. And that person literally had our future financially in her hands. It was a decision, not because of what was written, not because of anything she decided she was going to give it to me when over 24 people said yes and then said no in the state that I'm living in. Mm -hmm. Emergency department, $2,577. Now, that's one of the things I asked for an itemized bill. What is an emergency department? They didn't even let me have water. I didn't have an IV. They took a urine sample and they analyzed that. That was 
microbiology, that's $72. And then the lab general to look at my PP cost $519. And again, from one of your people, it's $30. Right, and and you're referencing uh, Surgery Center of Oklahoma and other types of free market medical centers uh, out there who are able to publish transparent prices. Um, I got two more questions because unfortunately we're we're running out of time here. But you know, just such a fascinating story, and uh, like I said earlier, you know, it is heartbreaking to understand what you're going through here. What was the experience like explaining this to your family, knowing that oh my gosh. I have this huge surprise bill, this massive debt load, and the hospitals are threatening to come after me and seize my assets, seize my income. What type of conversations do you have with your husband and your family? So my parents that are in their late 80s and have gone through this before, and I saw them age 10 years in front of me. This was the hardest thing to watch my parents age because of my illness. I don't think they they should see me too much right now because it's going to get them very upset. My father asks questions and then he says, but I can't understand. That's too much information. That's too much information. It's just because he doesn't want to hear it. He can't physically, emotionally take it. During this whole ordeal, my children, you know, they're all over the country and the world. And uh, my younger one who dealt with it, he was alone at 10 dealing with it. He calls, he is so angry, so upset, and they feel useless. And since he's in the Navy, he was trying to find a way to get me on um, the USAA. And we, we, we talked about that. This is one more thing. So I have to keep my family calm and tell them that it's okay. Their father has to do that too. We're so lucky that we don't have the restaurant to take care of anymore. So then that my other two children won took it extremely emotionally, and um, it's very hard. Then the older one is just very pragmatic, and he's the one that helped us get everything organized because you're going to have files and files and files and files and files of things, and you also have to keep a diary because you're not going to remember, especially when you're going through chemo. So he put me into Dropbox, so everything gets scanned, everything gets written on, everything gets labeled, everything gets dated. So once you have to go to a lawyer and once you have to go in and even fight the hospitals or the insurance companies, the insurance companies and the hospitals and the lawyers, then you have it all set up and you just say, okay, here it is. So he just stayed rational and centered. Let me ask you this, Carrie. What type of advice were you getting from some of your friends and family of how to fight this and what to do with any type of assets that are in your name? This is one of the scariest things that a lot of people have told me. Our, our house is in our name, both of our names, and they told me, get it off, get it off your husband, get it, do a quick claim, then get a, a trust lawyer and get everything as much out of your name as you can because they are going to come for everything. And so as a person who has saved money, to be able to do that. We never did anything except pay for health insurance and schools and a place to live and pay our bills. And then right. this is what happens because I saved my money now. They're saying, so how much do you have and how much can we take away from you? Not considering this state has tripled in prices. We now have to spend over $1,000 of the, our set income because of taxes, food costs, gas, 
Carrie, last question for you here. What is your advice to somebody else who would be going through this? Somebody else who would be in your shoes, facing a cancer diagnosis, not getting the right answers, but needing life-saving treatment to get started. What's your advice to them? First thing, I got this from my, my melanoma doctor in 1985. Do not read about it. Do not talk about it. Find the doctor that you love, and I will add, find the head nurse. If you don't love them, run. So find the doctor. Then read your health insurance, what it is, what it's about. Do not go through the state to help you with this. Always go through an agent and ask a lot of questions because unfortunately, most of these insurance places have a sentence that get them out of anything. So get all your questions ready, have a pen and a larger piece of paper so you can write these things down and try to put it into a file. Listen to people that you respect and that have been in the business and then sit down with your family. And this is very hard to do, but if you could find out how much it's going to cost, because I didn't know about you. And I've known about a lot of different ways of, of doing um, health care, but I've never, I had never heard about you. There's groups that do patients' advocacy, and um, you can call for help for doctor help, insurance help, lawyer help, psychology help, but go into it. You got to joke about this. You got to smile about it right. and try to find one person that you can talk to and goes with you to every single appointment. And it's better if it is not your spouse. Right. A lot of pressure on the family, as you said earlier. So sounds like your advice is document, ask questions, get a patient advocate and do your research. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for telling your story. We wish you really the best of luck in your future treatment. Thoughts and prayers are with you now and in the future. I'll take it. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. The more stories we shine light upon, the faster we're going to be in a position to make positive, impactful change. That's it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at healthcareamericana.com. This episode was produced by iPodcast Pro. Capture your story, iPodcastPro.com.